the BASTEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Mastering Winning Test-Taking Strategies, a professional development seminar featuring Instructional Associate Professor at the University of Houston, Gerard Henderson, Electrical Engineering Manager for Raytheon Company, Nicole Toller, and Executive Director of the Business Transformation Office for DTCC, Cheryl Mu-Young. In this seminar, we will address test-taking and test preparation tips and strategies for college-level tests. Applying helpful test-taking and test preparation skills addressed in this seminar, such as writing down everything you remember, reading the directions, browsing the test questions, putting together a plan, and making an educated guess, will teach you how to prepare for and perform well on any test so that you feel confident that you're bringing your testing A-game. Without further ado, the BASTEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Mastering Winning Test-Taking Strategies, featuring Gerard Henderson, Nicole Toller, and Cheryl Mu-Young. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. We're going to have an intimate time with each other today. Uh, my name is Nicole Toller. I'm with the uh, Raytheon Space and, uh, Space and uh, Airborne Systems Company. And I'm going to introduce our panelists today. We are here for the uh, test taking, winning test taking um, strategies. So I just want to make sure you're all here together. Uh, to my um, left here, I have Cheryl Mu-Young, and she's the Executive Director of Business Transformation Office. And then I have Professor Gerard Henderson. At this time, we'll go to our next slide. We'll do introductions. So I introduce myself. We have Cheryl. Hi. So I'm Cheryl Mu-Young. So I sat in your seats many, 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 many years ago. Um, I used to come to Bea back um, when I was in college. Um, I, I was at uh, Morgan State University. And um, since then, I graduated as an engineer. I moved on to consulting, so I worked for uh, Accenture or Anderson Consulting, who then turned into Accenture for 15 years and then moved on to um, Ernst & Young and then um, moved to uh, DTCC, who I'm representing today. That is a financial clearing house. Um, if your parents have stocks or you have stocks and bonds and, we, and you decide I'm selling them, we're the company that does all the clear, clearing and settlement for that. Okay, thank you. Gerard? Um, I'm Gerard Henderson, and uh, yeah, I have a long time Bayer history as well. Uh, my first Bayer conference, I was actually a sixth grader. This was back oh when they were having a uh, Bayer in Baltimore every year. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was when I was in college. <laughs> uh, so with that, um, at, so that when people say, "How did you get interested in engineering?" I attribute it to that experience. They had a, they used to have a time where they would let the high schoolers and middle schoolers roam around the career fair, and I was just picking up goodies. And interesting fun fact, uh, one one of the places that had the best goodies back then was Raytheon. Okay. <laughs> and so I hung around their table a little bit longer and, and got to t uh, talking to folks and, and learn a little bit about, um, a little bit more about what engineers do, right, uh, of course. So I left that conference saying I wanted to be a chemical engineer. 
uh, fast forward, ended up going to a special school in North Carolina called the North Carolina School of Science and Math. Uh, as a boarding school, so lived there, and and again a real focus on math and science, and a lot of colleges recruited students um, from there, and so um, through attending there, I had lots of scholarships to go to just about every school in North Carolina. Um, wanted to go to Florida A and M, but they didn't give me enough money. So, <laughs> and my mom was like, "You, where are you going? Where you get a full ride?" So I had a unique experience to actually go to Morehouse and be a part of their dual degree engineering program. So I spent three years at Morehouse majoring in chemistry. Then uh, two years, instead of going to Georgia Tech, I went to North Carolina A&T. So I wanted to come back home or a little bit closer to home. Um, full scholarships, made money to go to undergrad. Ended up going to graduate school at University of Illinois in Urbana. Stayed there for six years and taught in the chemical engineering department. Fast forward. Many of these folks that are looking at me now are my students. <laughs> they were so nice hey. to come out to the session. Um, I decided to change and go to somewhere warmer from Illinois and ended up at University of Houston. So I've been there for almost four years and I'm a Kimmy. And I'm also now the director of a program for mastery in engineering studies, which when it was founded in 74, it was a program for minorities in engineering. So long story, but. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, great. Thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful professor right away, just so you know. Oh, okay. You. Right now, we're going to get into something intimate as well. Our next slide is a uh, think and pair and share. We want you to think of a challenge you faced so far. Uh, pick a partner. Uh, I want you to come up with a thing you can do or overcome this challenge, and then we'll talk about it. So, again, How we're going to put them on a the timer. And we're going to put it on a timer, okay? How long you want to give them? Let's do 10 seconds. Oh. Is that too short? Too short. 30 two, seconds, 30 two seconds. Minutes. We're going to give you two, two minutes. minutes. Two minutes, okay. Two minutes. Trying to two minutes. Two minute timer. This is how I do in class. All okay, right. we're back. All right. Ready? Yeah. Okay, so we'll shift to Gerard. Yeah, yeah. So we want to get a, a couple of groups to kind of share some of the things that, that came out of your conversation. And then from there, before we dive into the slides, we just got an excited panel here. Um, we're gonna share with y'all some stuff that, that has been on, on our heart concerning uh, the, the winning test taking strategies, but how that applies to your life and then how that helps as you transition into industry. And another reason, because we know most of y'all, or I know most of y'all. Um, so, can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I would like you guys to come up to the mic because this will be recorded as a podcast and you can say your name and your university, but we want to make sure that all that is recorded yeah. and, and loud and clear. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead, Jerome. Uh, yeah, so why don't we get volunteers from maybe two, two of the groups and we'll start here with Micah. Hi, I'm Micah from University of Houston and me and Waldemiro agreed that a test testing test-taking challenge we struggle with is test-taking anxiety. So going upon an exam and thinking you know the content and then feeling like you did so very well at ace the exam and walking out and checking your score wasn't exactly what you expected. So something we've done to overcome that or what we should, like plan to do potentially is not study a day or two a bit before the exam and provide that time as like a relaxed period. So when you go to the exam, like you already don't feel confident that you like did what you needed to do rather than, you know, pick up the day before, so yeah. yes. Thank you. That's good. I wanna just kinda of talk a little bit about this in many ways, this uh, test taking anxiety. Um, so first thing, 
as you are preparing and getting ready to go to the exam, once you get into that room, make sure like your focus is now the exam. I've seen it so many times when I give exams, people are coming into the room, they're standing in the hallway even, and their colleagues are like, hey, you remember how to solve this? And it, that's too much stress. <laughs> when I get to the exam, don't talk to me. In the zone. You get in the zone. I'm in the zone. Uh, uh, you remember how to do that? Uh, no, no, you, you messing up my, my, what is it called? Mm-hmm. Your flow. <laughs> my, my flow. So that's your time. That's your space. And it's perfectly okay to tell people, not now. I'm in my zone. So that's one thing. And, and then um, Nicole and I were talking about earlier, um, many students are taking advantage of this thing called accommodations. I've been teaching. You want to chime in on that? Yeah, accommodation. So <laughs> we were talking about like how some people, because of certain disabilities or special needs, um, they are getting more time during the tests in a quiet environment, right? Some places that, you know, I think we talked, we heard about it on, you know, it's a legitimate, they're legitimate reasons, but you have to get evaluated and not be, um, think that it's a stigma or anything, but you know, you need more, if you need more time, ask for it. Ask, always request, do, you know, you want to do your best. So I, I think yeah. you want to say something? So over the past 10 years I've been teaching, I've started to see more and more of these accommodations. Let's say I have a class of 100 students. About now, 10 years later, about 20% of my students are getting these things that I think sometimes our students of color don't even know exist. Uh, just to be real with you. Um, um, so... You know, some students and, you know, I'm reading through these uh, reader forms. I think that's what they call them. And I'm expecting to see things like dyslexia, et cetera. No, it's mostly test taking anxiety and they're getting diagnosed for this. But you have to go to this place called the Center for Students with Disabilities. And again, that's already stigma. This lady starts to frown when I I say that. (laughs) She's like, I don't have a disability, but... For those students that need that extra time and that are experiencing extreme anxiety, they're getting one and a half times, up to one and a half times. And you're like, man, if I had an extra hour to take that exam, I would have killed it. Well, and one of the things, and this is what I found just watching my kids grow up, is when you look at how you learn or how you are as a learner, you can tell what it is you need. So like Mm -hmm. to that point with accommodations, I have a child that it, he, he processes really slow, but that doesn't mean he's not intelligent. It just means that it does actually legitimately take him a lot longer to think through things and do things, right? And you know, he's already told me I need to go get him an accommodation because he sees his friends being able to take longer on tests. And he's like, if I had an extra half an hour, I'd pass mm-hmm. that test, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, it's not really a stigma. It just enables you to have more time, right? And when you look at the work world and you fast forward to where you go, right, 90% of your CEOs, your C-levels, and your top-level executives have some form of need for an accommodation because they cannot keep attention spans long enough, right? Your C-levels are typically ADHD, or if they didn't have it, they earned it because they have to go from topic to topic to topic, and they have to keep consistent with being able to be intelligent on each topic, and they have to be able to, like, make a U-turn at any point in time. So recognize that it's not a bad thing. It's not, there's not a phobia to it. It's just make sure that as you start to think about it, you get the things that you need. It gives you extra time on the SAT. It gives you extra time on the GRE. 
and it may give you special accommodations in your class that actually can get, enable you to have more time if you need it. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to speak to that point, y'all probably don't know, um, I have ADHD. And so I got to have stuff going on, but I use it to my advantage. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna work on this project. I actually put myself on a timer. I'm gonna work on this for 30 minutes. And then I got to get up and stretch. I'm gonna work on this for an hour. And so, so on and so forth. And y'all know I'm high energy and crazy. But well, when you were younger, they it wasn't diagnosed. You, and they didn't give you any accommodations for it either. Correct. Right? Yeah. So you so so a person like him might be, oh, you know, what's you're bad. You? What's wrong mm. with you? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bad kid. And, 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 and when you look at children yeah. that come from the backgrounds that you guys come from, you know, we're not doing the overdiagnosis of it because, you know, families have to work one. Right. Parents are going out there and they're like, just go figure it out. Right. Because <laughs> I got to go to work and I got to make sure I can keep this roof over your head. Yeah. Right. And when they say that to you, you know, there are counterparts that, you know, of, have of all ethnicities that are getting these diagnoses and they're getting all of these things and they're enabled to, to to excel and grow because they have someone that's coddling them. Another mm -hmm. thing, and this is yeah. what I found is. Um, my son goes to school, or used to go to school. He was in a, a predominantly white um, uh, school. And what I found was the kids that were around him were constantly propped up by tutoring. And they went to summer school to make sure that they did the, that grade the year before. Uh, so by the time he came in, he felt stupid. Right. Mm -hmm. He felt like I'm not catching this as quickly as everyone does. But what he didn't realize is that they were socially propping those kids up with tutoring, with additional functions so that they had extra supports. And when you look at it, those are the supports that make you feel like, hmm, am I ever going to be better? But in reality, if a kid is going to school from you know eight to three and then they're getting tutored from three to six, you're behind the curve with that kid yeah. just because. Right. So, you know, to that, yeah. you know, Back when I was in school, we didn't have all these free we resources that. that were yeah. out there, right? A long time ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the next person. Did yeah, anyone yeah. else have an answer? Um, Ohira Suero, SUNY Maritime College. Um, we as well had test anxiety um, as one of our issue problems. But the way that we said to resolve them um, was obviously prepare early, but you also want to make sure you have a good sleep schedule because if you're stressing mm -hmm. over um your your test and you're sleep deprived that's not going to help um um my peer made a good point and said she actually plays logical games to help organize her thoughts mm -hmm. and with that you know you're stressing about um studying and you're studying so hard you also want to make sure you take time off to kind of clear your thoughts and make sure that what you're learning is in order and kind of like move forward with that as well as um, when you're studying, you want you want to uh, study with people you can rely on, so you can bounce idea off with them. I know I've benefited from that, like in physics. You know, uh, I learned in one way that the teacher taught it, but my partner might have found like a little um, way to kind of shortcut what is actually there. So you can learn a lot from like how other people learn as well, and then that can help you in the long run. Perfect. No, Thank you. That's good. It's good. Mm -hmm. Good. Awesome. Yay. Good. Thank you. So do we want to expound on that or we can go um, on to the. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of things that uh -huh. were just kind of um, before we even get into the slides, just a couple of things again that were that was on our hearts concerning this session. Uh, 
a little bit of what you spoke to speaks to this idea of figuring out or, or understanding who you are yeah. and understanding yourself. This seminar is not a gimmick, right? right. So there's no special formula you're going to leave out of here with like, oh, I'm going to make straight A's from now. You know, and maybe I'm getting to the slides already, but you know when you don't understand something. And you can't fool or trick yourself. The day I don't understand it is the day I go get help. All of this Call is, mm -hmm. all of this happens before the exam. We haven't even gotten to the winning test taking strategies. Mm -hmm. You need help. It's okay to get help. It's okay. It's okay to ask. Yeah. Before, not after. So well, something definitely. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I see, and just you know, in my household with my children, I see that a lot of times that advocation for themselves yeah. is one of the things that when you go to, when you get paid, when you pay all this money to go to these expensive schools, the one thing that they're teaching you how to do is advocate for yourself. And I think that, you know, as a student coming into college, one of the things, your teachers give you those office hours for a reason, yes. right? And if you're not utilizing the office hours effectively, you're not understanding what, how do, how do, you, how do you actually, you know, build a bond, build that connection. Um, and when you end up with the grade that you end up with and you haven't spent any time with your teacher and you, and you really wish it should have been higher, you know, that investment, right? And I, I'm gonna divert a little bit. Oh, I, I, I had a, um, uh, there was a, 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 a woman then on Wall Street that came in to talk to my company and what she said was, she said, you know, doing a good job is one, you know, of the nuggets that you use. But then she also said, you know, that that investment capital in building that relationship is extremely excessively important. And that will get you much further than how hard you're working, right? So when she said that to us, you know, it was really critical because, you know, that applies here also, right? Because your professors, your teachers, it's part of that relationship capital that you have to build up. And, you know, if I'm gonna invest in this relationship right here, he's gonna make sure that he wants to see me successful, right? Yeah. And then when he wants to see me successful, he's gonna make sure that I understand what's gonna be on that test. He's gonna understand if I didn't ca catch something, he's gonna say, well, why don't you stop by my office? Because I think you might need a little extra support. Yeah, for me, I have yeah, a story, yeah, yeah. a quick story. I, we were in physics class, so physics one, two, three, you take it for engineering, electrical engineering. And one guy in college, his mom came to class. And we're like, okay, why is this mom here? And the professor was like, you know, stand up, James. And the guy stood up. He was like, I don't know you, son, and your mom is here. And that was something that stuck with all of us. First, we're like, I'd be so, you know, upset if my mom showed up in college, right? And then the guy was like, you don't even come to my class, and your mom is here talking to me. So relationship is definitely, you know, you want to have that before your mom shows up. Just <laughs> and you don't really ever, when you go to work, you don't ever want your mom to call your boss <laughs> either, right? <laughs> so, yeah. No, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, so for me, at the end of the semester when I'm calculating grades, I don't give grades, first of all, and most of your professors don't. But when I'm calculating grades and I see that 69, and I don't round up, I see that 69.9. But Robbie has been to my office hours. Mm. I know her. Oh, yeah, that's a 70. <laughs> or better yet, I don't want to put you on the low end. 
And if you make an A minus in my class, you you've earned an A. So 89.5. I know Rabia. When I see her in class, she's raising her hand. I'm sorry, I keep using it as an example. She's one of she's technically one of my former students for real. Okay. She was in my sophomore level class. But yeah, yeah, I see her. She's got this 89.5. I know her. She participates in class. Oh yeah, that's an A. Okay. Relationships. And professors, y'all have heard the Donna O speech. Professors like to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. They like to talk about their research. That's a way to break the ice. <laughs> Everyone likes to talk about themselves all the time. <laughs> they do. <Yeah. laughs> so I know one thing we wanted to talk about, probably before we get into the slides, um, before we're preparing for the the, um, the the exam, avoiding procrastination. And also, I know that we brought up something called imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know, Cheryl, sure, you want to start with that or? or yeah. Actually, I want to hear it. from the students. Does anybody have an idea or thought about what that means? Hi, I'm Micah from North of Houston. And imposter syndrome is whenever you feel like you don't belong in the kind of space, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Thank Correct. You. Thank you. How many people have ever felt like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, now why? David Cartwright, professor at Marshall University. Um, you feel inadequate. Mm. Thank you, sir. Any other thoughts? Hi, my name is Elaine Raymond from the University of Houston. Oh, and you feel lost, like mm. it's just not where you're supposed to be at that mm. time and why should you have to be there? So you kind of just feel like lost. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Up on this Thanks for one. sharing. Oh boy. Hello, I'm Joseph Amessi from the University of Houston. Yeah. I feel like a practical one is sometimes, you know, you take an exam, a teacher posts the statistics, you know, you see your score, high score 98, the low is a four, you know, you're like, well, so you can really kind of see where you're sitting in that range. And if you're on the lower end of that range, knowing how hard you worked to earn that 50 or whatever, you're like, dang, there's folks out there making 90s, 100s. Yeah. That's kind of what makes me feel like an imposter sometimes. Wow. wow. Thank you. Hello, my name is Rabia Baksh. I think that I'm from the University of Houston. Yes. Um, I think that one thing that really caused um, imposter syndrome is sometimes when you're the only one that looks the way you look um, and you think that you don't belong there. Um, but also, it's sometimes uh, what people have said to you when you were younger and yeah. those thoughts just stick with you and that's how you think about yourself, but that's yeah. not the truth. So. Okay. Thank you. That's Thank good. you. So in our industry, we're in the maritime industry, um, it's mainly guys. Mm -hmm. So most of my classes, uh, I'm the only female. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like pretty difficult sometimes because like the teachers treat you different sometimes, but that's how it is. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank Cheryl is going to work this question. I'm going to work the heck out of this <laughs> She's question. She's ready. Okay. Hey, uh, my name is Coach McShare from the University of Houston, and sometimes I feel imposter syndrome whenever I'm sitting in class and the professors deriving five different equations and mixing them, them both together and setting them equal to each other. And there's always that one student that has the answer that raises their hand, like, oh, you have the answer for me. And I'm looking there lost, like, wow, how did this student know this answer? Like, he just taught this a couple of days ago. So sometimes that gives me that feeling of imposter syndrome. All right, thank you. Thank you guys for sharing. Okay, sure. So at the core, some of the, the themes that I heard is you don't feel like you're prepared enough or you feel like all eyes are on me because I don't look like all the people that are in the room, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I'm, I don't have a great answer for this because I will tell you that oftentimes I'm the only one in my room, right? Uh, when we look at the numbers, I look to the left, I look to the right, and oftentimes I am the voice for all of the African-Americans in a company, right? So I, I think the biggest thing for me, and I don't really suffer from imposter syndrome, right? I feel like I, I belong. And at some point, your mindset has to change and you have to tell yourself that you do belong. Um, and I'll tell you, um, I, there was an example of this. You know, it was a time I was running this really big project, right? I was in California, I was running this Obamacare program that we were actually implementing Obamacare's, what he, uh, it was it's Affordable Care Act. We were implementing it in California with one of my former companies. Um, and I, all the big, my big bosses came down and, you know, I kind of sat back and I said, hold up, wait a minute. I'm going to sit back there because there's not enough chairs and I don't belong. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. I'm going to let you guys sit up in the yeah. front. I have all the answers, by the way. <laughs> I know I know the ins and outs. I know what's wrong. I know what the risks are. I know what the issues are. And I know how to solve the day-to-day -day problems. And I work with the client every day. Like they call me and we're eating lunch and we're eating dinner and I'm bringing snacks. We're doing everything together, right? <laughs> so I give all these guys the room. And then my boss put me aside and he said, hey, why did you not sit at the table with us? And I said, well, there were not enough seats. So I felt like, you know, let me give you guys the seats because you're more senior and I think you deserve it. And he was like, no, you need to command that seat at the table. So you need to tell yourself that you do, you belong. And after that, I was like, I always belong. So I'm like, I don't feel always. like an imposter anymore. And you know what? You have to tell yourself that. So when you're in that room with all those men and they're treating you that way, mm -hmm. sometimes the inclination, because I've been there before too, is to, you know, dress, dress to fit in and make sure you look like the guy. No, you're still a woman mm -hmm. <laughs> and a stay woman. in your place. But at the same time, you need to be able to fight with them. You need to be able to talk to them. You need to be able to relate to them. So again, that relationship capital builds in there. And you need to be able to call people out when you're not feeling like they're recognizing that you are in the room as a woman, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of this and, 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 and women empowerment is a big thing that's happening across corporate America. Yes. Right? And what happens with women empowerment is they look at the women, they look at the women that they think should be the leaders and they bring and they bring them up and they give them all these supports to help enable them to be a better leader. Mm -hmm. So as you guys are starting to look at that, you got to start looking at, well, who is it that I want to emulate wherever you go? So if you're at a college, you're at a university, who is it that I want to pick to emulate? Because when you're climbing the fence and you're, you, you have to figure out who's my sponsor, Who's my mentor and who am I going to grow from? That's true. So, I mean, you're going to look to the left and you're going to look to the right and you're going to see a, a few African-Americans. You're going to see a few people that mm -hmm. look like you. But when you when, when you do that deeper dive, you have to figure out who it is you want to be. And I think, you know, recognize that, I guess, if I leave you with anything, it's you deserve and belong to have a seat at that table. Mm -hmm. Right. And then figure out who it is you're going to grow to be like. Like, who do I want to emulate in the business world? And a lot of times yeah. when you're going on LinkedIn and you're looking at the website, you can find, you know, very great mentors that will give you books and advice and all that good jazz. But you got to find some real tangible people, whether it's at your university or the companies you go to work for. Or and LinkedIn. Then, yeah, us. you can find them on LinkedIn, too. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when I so so I was so, so my company. Um, is on a big push to hire diverse talent, right? As as is as are most companies, 
right? And as we look at it, you know, when you look at the, the black girl network that's out there, you know, I'm talking to one of the folks that are in the diversity crew and she was like, I can touch you because you're within that LinkedIn circle. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is a very big deal, right? Because she said, well, I didn't know you personally, but I knew of you. And yeah. I was like, well, how did you know of me? Because I didn't know of you. And she's like, because you're in that area where it's oh, there's only a few at that black senior level mm -hmm. and you typically know each other. And if you don't know each other, you're waiting to meet them because you are like in awe of how they could do what they mm -hmm. did. And also, I, I want to add. You, everyone that's at the table has a certain type of thought process. Mm -hmm. You may come in with something totally creative that they that's need. True. And that's the diversity of thought. And that can only come from your perspective. You know what I mean? You can only, not everybody has that, you know, you may have, you know, in the background, you, you, something that you've done in your kid, you know, when you're young as a mom or because you're from Houston, because you're from North Carolina, because you're from California, you have a different thought process that they don't have. And that brings profit to the companies, to, to uh, where you're working. And that a lot of things that, you know, we're, we're saying they're, they're looking for diverse women and, you know, diversity, but it, they found that because I was like, why are they looking for diversity? They found that it has 20% to their profit margin. It does. Be because of that, we're hot. We're, we're, we're the thing that everyone wants because we're helping them with their profit margin. So you're delivering value by being in the room and having a different process. You're different. You might be from Jamaica. You may be from different places. You may have done things a little bit differently that they never thought of. And you, you're adding value. You're listening to Mastering Winning Test-Taking Strategies, a professional development seminar featuring Gerard Henderson, Nicole Toller, and Cheryl Moo Young. Brought to you by the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And, and that's such a unique topic because when I looked at my team, so I, I when I hired onto DTCC, I inherited a team, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did was I said, okay, so I'm going down the checkbox. How much diversity do I have across my team, mm -hmm. right? And then I went back and I had to actually explore, well, how do we get to the construct of the team? And I had to go figure out what are the different ways for me to expand because that diverse thought that she's talking about, it, it, it from a cultural standpoint, just the fact that I have folks that um, their parents were immigrants yeah. and that immigrant oh, thought you know. takes away some of the entitlement that happens or, or that, that, that people have yeah. and that they can balance to say, hey, let's give you a balanced perspective because what they're upset about, I'm not as upset about, but I'm upset about these five things. And, you're and then resilient. you have a, yeah, you have a, you have a much more balanced perspective. They need you. So they need you. They do. They yeah. need you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. One of the things for me is make sure you are valuing good work and putting in good work and hard work. And so one of the things I've always uh, attempted to do in whatever um, position I'm in is do such a great job that 
nobody wants to do it. First of all, <laughs> nobody else wants to do it. So for example, at University of Houston, I've just kind of carved out this lane for myself. Nobody bothers me. They're like, oh, he does that. He does it very well. Um, and I don't want to do it. And we're going to cry when he leaves. But, <laughs> but, but being the person I am, I always try to impart and, and raise people and pull them along and teach them what I know. But, but again, I'm this wacky engineering professor that does engineering education research. We don't have an engineering education department that brings in lots of money that whenever I ask the dean for something, he gives it to me. Um, Perfect. And so with, you know, in addition to that, I'm all about motivation and inspiration. Can somebody look up this poem? Whenever I'm feeling imposter syndrome, I read it to myself. Uh, it's by Marianne Williamson. It's called Our Deepest Fear. You heard it in yeah. movies. By Mandela. Marianne Williamson. Our Deepest Fear. Yeah. Is that who she got it from? Well, no, oh, okay. he got it from her. Oh, okay. But yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and, and it goes on, and I'm just going to paraphrase, but parts of it talks about, um, you know, when I want to just kind of sit in the background and descend, it, it's inspiring to say, no, you belong here. Anybody got it pulled up? I want you to come up and read it. Come read Cheyenne, it. Cheyenne, come read it. It's like, who are you not to be great, brilliant, talented? Go ahead. Read. You got to read it like spoken word like they should have done last night. <laughs> <laughs> drop the mic. Don't Hi. drop the mic when you're done, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cheyenne Goodson. I'm from the University of Houston, and I'm reading Our Deepest Fear. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You're playing small. Does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Awesome. Thank Great, you. thank you. So when I'm feeling imposter syndrome, I have to remind myself like, dude, you belong here. Dude, you earned it, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> right. And even when you take that test and you didn't do as well, yeah. I think one of the things is you just got to work harder. Right. Mm -hmm. So how many of you guys, you know, I, I, this has been all over the news, Kobe Bryant and the fact that that Mamba mentality. Right. Yeah. He was he was a hard, hard, hard worker. Right. And it wasn't just him. It translated to his daughter. It was something that was ingrained in him. And one of the fundamentals, if I had to look at it, is he wanted it so bad that he said, I'm going to practice until I get it. Right. And I'm going to practice to be like Jordan and if not better. And to the point where Jordan said, hey, I don't even know if I could beat him because <laughs> he's younger and he stole all my moves. Right. <laughs> so I want you guys to start thinking about that, because, you know, part of this when you're doing the test taking is making sure that you yeah. do have the proper preparation. So don't. So I didn't just say, hey, I, I'm at the table and I belong at the table. I said, yeah. OK, I knew everything that they needed to know. I was the one from the side, two steps back, answering all the questions because I had the proper preparation. And that's the thing. Make sure you have the right prep. 
which yeah. gives you the basis to be able to answer the questions, to be able to you know, take the test, make sure that that's something that you put in, you put that work in, and that work is what turns into you know, being able to really say, I do belong at that table. Okay, real quick, yeah. do we have any questions from the audience? Just, we're gonna keep going, we're gonna go with our slides. So just wanted to know, yeah. any questions so far? You guys are enthused. Let's all stand up. Let's just stand up. We're all standing. Just everybody stand up. One thing that I do as well, like before presentations, before a test, um, I put my hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. Um, his name is Bolt, I think his name is. Same Bolt. Hands, hands up, right? <laughs> this is called, I think it's called the, the Mighty Stand or something like that. It's like, I'm a winner. You're a winner. Two hands up, right? And it releases these endorphins and you feel great. You know, I do this. Like before, I'm going to talk to somebody before interview. And nine times out of 10, I get them, just so you know. All just right. do this in the bathroom. You know, I'm going to be a winner, okay? Everybody have a seat. Hey. You're winners, yeah. all right? Yep, those endorphins. You feel it, you feel it, right? You feel it. Yeah. If you don't, just do it before a test and you'll feel it then, okay. I think that was a great lead in, uh, Nicole. I, that was one of the points we talked Perfect. about earlier. So if you want to touch some of the slides. Um, we yeah. can go. When we talk about the first part of the slides we present to you, uh, speak to what you should be doing before you ever get to the room. And and so Cheryl already started to, to tap on it, the hard work. Mm -hmm. we, we know that that goes without questioning. We have to put that in. Uh, one point is maximizing your free time, working ahead. So some good times to do that is in between class, especially for us, us who have these gaps in between classes in our schedules versus going to the rec versus chilling on Facebook, Instagram, posting on Snapchat. Doing a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> My mom always said, she was like, for every one, one hour in class, you should study two hours. Okay. Um, working ahead when I don't have those club and extracurricular um, activities and when I don't have many assignments. When is that typically in a semester? Right at the beginning of the semester. Yeah. Now it's the welcome back parties happening. I got to choose one or two of them to go to, but I don't have to go to all of them. Yeah. And so I'm working ahead. I got this. I have the syllabi from all the courses. And I'm reading ahead, I'm reading actively, which we'll get into, and I'm working ahead. And so that when I get to class and the professor starts to teach it, I've already seen it one time. I've read it. What's happening to those neurons? Yep. Bam, I saw this, I know this. And you know what type of questions to ask. Or when you were reading, you got stuck there. I'm waiting on him. As soon as he hit that point. <laughs> Bam. Oh, that's a student that participates? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that capital. Wasn't it? Relationship. Yeah. So, so one yeah. of the things, and, and I, so partying is probably one of the more amazing parts about school. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can go to We them. did it. It's okay. But let me tell you, let me tell you, when you have that 3.5 to 4.0, you get out of college, the partying's even better. Because <laughs> you got a job. <laughs> so, hey, y'all know how I like to party. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, right? I was one of the kids in college when I, many, many, many years ago, that um, I, I, I studied, right? And I studied a lot. 
But when I got out of college, let me tell you, I went to, I was in Miami frequently. I got to go. It wasn't partying at a college level. It was actually partying at a, you know, adult level, which is much, much more fun. Um, and you get to travel, right? So you get to see the fruits of your labor. So, you know, when you look at your education, right, there's a big, heavy upfront investment that you put in now that pays out in dividends later, right? And I think that that's one of the key things for me. And, you know, my husband was a big partier. He was an engineer too. I mean, he used to throw the parties. <laughs> so um, when I look at the Delta and the difference, right? He was all partied out by the time he got to college. He didn't have to do all the traveling I did. I did way more traveling than he did. And I actually had a whole heck of a lot of fun. So I don't think I missed out on the college partying. And I would hit probably maybe one or two a semester, right? And I would go just to say I'm going and having fun and just, you know, you get to bond with your peers. But when you do it, at, when you take this investment and say, I'm gonna invest in my academics, right? It's what all these companies come to look for. The companies have GPA mins and maximums. If you don't meet those, there are companies that will take you with a story, but you really have to have a good story, right? But I also, but you know, the stories that people have are very different. So make sure that you guys are thinking, what is my story? And one of the things that he has on this slide is that extracurriculars piece, right? Mm -hmm. It's really critical for you to have those extracurriculars and you're actually leading on campus and working and doing the things that show your well-roundedness. No company's gonna say, hey, how many parties did you go to? Yeah, they don't ask that question. They don't ask that. That's not one of, that's not one of your gates, right? <laughs> no, we don't okay. ask that <laughs> All right, but they will ask you, how many, how many clubs and activities were you? What job did you work while you were here? How many internships did you have? What right. was your GPA, right? Those so you gotta invest in that to pay way more dividends further on. And I promise you the party will be so much better when you get older. Yeah, two things. So first, um, on that extracurricular point, um, make sure you're strategic in how you do that. You don't have to be the president of every organization that you're part of. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in leadership even of all of them. You can be a good volunteering member that shows up to events, not just the free pizza days, but to show up to events. And, and work in that way. Because sometimes we can't overcommit ourselves on that side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I see Obina in the room. I want you to kind of speak to uh, the point that Cheryl was making about partying on the college side or the collegiate side versus a new, uh, you, you, when did you just start work? Come to the mic, please, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's a recent grad. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, my name's Obina Nigi, I'm a recent grad from the University of Houston, and hold on. Direction. And I work for Northrop Grumman. Oh, congrats. All right, so, uh, when, did you, when did you start working? In, and I, talk I, about this transition from, from college, partying, working ahead to now as a... So, so what I said was <laughs> the partying in college is great and all, mm -hmm. but that partying when you actually have money and you can get to places is so much better. That was my, that was yeah. my comment. Thank you. Thank you. So no, she, yeah. he'd like for you to comment on that because yeah. you are actually an example mm -hmm. of a person who has graduated and now is out there. And I 100% agree with that. Like even in college, as part of fraternity, I had to scale back on that because chemical engineering is no joke at the University of Houston at all. But <laughs> like at all, at all. But then after coming to Bay, uh, getting hired by Northrop and being on the other side, it's like next weekend, I'm going to Mardi Gras for my birthday, right? Oh. To party and have fun with my friends. And so it's definitely a big investment on the front end, but it comes out a lot on the back end. So. For sure. Good job. Congrats to you. 
See, I wasn't lying to you guys. <laughs> okay, so we'll go to the next slide. I know that um, pointers for studying. So we talk about schedule. We'll have Gerard go ahead and continue. Yeah, and a lot of this we've we've already hit on, right? So making sure you have that study schedule, setting up, and and I know back when I was in college, people were, it was big to do this time audit. This for maybe a couple of days, keep track of what you're doing with your time. Mm -hmm. But also having a schedule that you can follow. And it, it's so interesting that that doing that followed me even into my career. I don't do it as much now. I have my calendar and I just put what I need to do and I just get it done. But but saying, OK, from eight to nine, I'll be at the gym from 10 to here. I have class, et cetera. So creating that schedule, study, uh, finding a good study location. For me, I cannot study in my room. Mm. I'm going to sleep. I love to sleep. <laughs> I'm going to lay down and next thing you know, it'll be 6 a.m. And then my cousin's in the room who uh, stays with me. He's like, boy, you never sleep. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Assess the knowledge of the course material. So when we talk, that goes back to that point about understanding yourself and knowing when you don't know it. And knowing with science and, and engineering courses, it builds upon itself. If I don't understand it on Monday, I get to class on Wednesday, I'm not gonna magically understand it. And my professor is going to assume that everything I, that was taught on Monday, you got. When I go to class on Monday, this coming up Monday the 17th, everything I taught last week, I'm expecting them to know it and they're probably gonna get a quiz. That was that's some office hours uh, hint <laughs> to the University of Houston. Thank you. <laughs> and one of the things yeah. is you guys have the, the, the ability to have technology. Like when I was younger, it was I wrote my schedule down and maybe I did it in Excel. You guys have these smartphones that can yeah. tell you what to do all day long <laughs> and help you help organize your schedule. And the reason why he doesn't write his schedule down is because people give him meeting invites that tell him what to do all day, every day, I'm yes. sure. Yep. And it orders you around. I was telling a student, and this is a side note, we can go to the next slide. I was telling a student the other day, I said, while we were here at Bay, I said, that's another way that people try to control you mm -hmm. with these meeting invites. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I keep a separate calendar on Google. <laughs> with here are the task list of things I need to get done probably. Yep. Okay, so here's um, actively read textbooks. Do we want to have more any questions about this one, or we're gonna we're at, we're kind of at the we have four oh seven. We have like eight more minutes. So oh, wow. why don't we open this up for questions? Because yeah. I think we yeah, covered guys... everything in our slide deck from a yeah, yeah. content perspective. Yeah, I know, I Mr. Walter Wright. Anybody have a extra extra hundred bucks? Can I have it? Anybody? I'm gonna call him. I mean, I have it. I'm asking, does anybody? Hey, Gerard. I, I want to call out Mr. Mr. Walter oh. here. I want to okay. make sure everyone yeah. that, that everything you ever had a question about the reason you came here that is answered. So if you can come to the uh, mic. oh yeah yeah just yeah. just oh yeah yeah Walter Wright uh, North Grumman. Um, oh okay yeah. <laughs> I, I came here because uh, as a uh, cyber architect, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm constantly. Uh, required to get certifications Correct. and it's a work-life balance and I know how to study because I have multiple certifications I mm -hmm. do well on tests but it's that work-life balance I was hoping to find some tips to uh, get it under my belt quicker 
so I don't have to dig into my work life, my my work life. I mean, my home life. So a note to everyone, life learning, life learning. You're going to always keep learning all the way through, all the way through. So don't say, I'm through. I got it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so how to do it quicker. Um, time management, right? How do you prepare? How do you get ready? Right? So instead of uh, you may, a lot of people, I don't know if you have a long commute, right? Podcasts. You have to work from home. Okay, better. <laughs> it's like there's a time saving. So working from home every day or? So working from home. Okay. Podcasts. Another thing, I, I don't know if you have a, have a group of, or a staff, you could have them do um, um, collaborative learning or, or have them, if you're interested in, a, in, a, um, in a, a topic, you're like, hey, this is going to be on my test. You know, Bob, can you learn about this and come back and teach our, teach our team? And so you're learning, but then Bob's going to come back and give a perspective to your team, right? And then you're learning during a lunch and learn. And everybody's learning together, and you, you'll be, you know, oh, we're sharing, but you're actually like, okay, I got that checked off for my next test. So um, that's a. You said cyber. You said cybers, cyber, right? Yeah. Okay, those are hard. <laughs> but uh, I'm, gonna I'm just gonna tell you, right? <laughs> There's no easy answer. You gotta stay, because with cyber, you really do have to stay on top of the market. You have to stay mm -hmm. on top of everything, and depending upon what it is, whether it's your CISSP, whether it's you know cloud certification for security, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and the amazing part about learning now is it's changed from when we had to learn, where okay. you could YouTube most anything yeah, and learn it overnight right that's true so that's you know true. if you don't online. fall asleep on videos because yeah. i have fallen asleep on a cloud guru on, guru on many a moments right you go in and you try to do that in the evenings and i actually do that like alongside like my husband yeah, like yeah and, and it's helpful that's but cool. at the same time you know i think once you have a family once you have kids like that balance is way harder like mm -hmm. much more difficult like you guys are amazing. You students that are here and recognize right. that it does right. get challenging, right? To his point with work-life balance, because you're not only balancing now your career, your certifications, the things that you need. Like my recommendation is do as much as you can up front, right? Like as you're their age, start to look at and look at certifications that you can do that you might need in the industry that would be critical and do them in college so that you're just refreshing because then a refresher is a lot easier than I got to go take the test from scratch. Well, what about to your addressing what you just said there? Unfortunately, what you took in college won't be valid. That is true. It's yeah. always changing, especially yeah. in the I've cyber been industry. Certifications all my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, school is always something new. It's always yeah. something new to learn. And but, if you want to be considered an expert in it, you need a certification. Yeah. When we go to bid for. Uh, job stuff, they expect certain amount of certifications in that area that you're you're, um, you're, you're competing for. Can you do practice tests? Oh yeah, yeah. for yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, mean, I do all the time. I was just looking for any little tips you had to get a little practice tests. Um, study groups or, or like yeah. international, maybe international, because everybody's well, actually, studying. Actually, so I'm working on. Uh, I have a. I got a in two weeks. Um, uh, agile. Okay. First, uh, hey, everybody's with this agile thing. Yeah, so Let's I, all talk about it what are you, together. Are you Scrum Master or okay? Okay. That, that's actually an easy test. Guess if you what? Take the training. Right. Walter. Yeah, I did. I did the training. Yeah. He's a Scrum Master, 
right next to you. Yeah, yeah. I can talk. And I'm doing actual transformation at work, so. That's All right. <laughs> like, I got, I I got transformation. So I mean, I got to take the test. But again, yeah. I, again I, I'm here because, hey, let's see what kind of tips you guys might have. Just, okay. just uh, you know, shave some edges and cut some corners and get a thick with them. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've been studying for years. So I can get it done. Mm -hmm. Looking for any little nuggets that make it quicker. Right, you would have the nuggets to make it quicker. You know, we, we take CISSP, we going back and forth with questions and mm -hmm. sharing resources oh, and all that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff yeah. um, you know, we do that all the time. It's just, Anybody from the audience? Dave? Do you have any suggestions for Walter? You could come to Especially the Especially on the work-life balance. I have no balance. You have no balance? I don't got no balance either. Balance. Yeah. I, um, so balance it? is strange, right? Because I think that in life, and this is Cheryl's philosophy, um, everyone seems to think that you should have this great thing called balance. But in reality, when I'm doing great at my job, my kids are having issues. <laughs> and when my kids are doing great in school, maybe my boss wants something from me. You know, you, ha you really have to put it into perspective to figure out when you can be off balance. And like I think before that test, I think the big thing is you might be a little off balance and then you have to swing back so that you're not off balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's really the thing. Yeah. I mean, you could have been right at a divorce. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you could. You could. I call it a staff or people that can help you. Right. You now that you're getting more certifications, you're going to make more money. You can pay for someone to do the yard, pay for someone to clean the house. I don't know. Whatever you're having to do that you're like, oh, I don't have time. You could pay for that to get done for now until you, if you really value that's it and it makes cool. you comfortable and you know you love it. Just for now, just for a little while, until you get through it. Okay. Like that. Right? Did you want to say anything? Anyone want to add to this? We're all helping each other here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm a very non-traditional student. I'm a single mother. I'm going full time for mechanical engineering, um, and I live about an hour away from campus. And okay. I work part time as well, so I leave campus and go straight to work. Okay. And so I don't have free time at all. Um, so the way that I kind of stay ahead, because I spend so much time in my car, is a lot of my notes, I'll record myself reading them. And, that and that's way, learning. When I'm in my car, I at least have something productive. Or if, yeah. if I'm not ready to study in my car, uh, my son and I will listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, he likes to listen to story pirates and uh, or we'll listen to some TED talk. Yeah. or something, even as a five-year-old. You know, That's you know? perfect. And there's a lot of times where you're like, Mom, you're doing homework. And like, well, yes, I have to do homework. That's perfect. So, I mean, it, it's a hard balance, but it, everything, that hard work, and a lot of people are going to suffer, but it's only a little bit that suffer right now for a uh, prosper in the long run. They're not All suffering. That. He's going to get smarter Let's because he was doing homework applause. with That's you. That's awesome. He's going to be a smart kid. He'll be a, another mechanical engineer. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Any other tips? Go ahead. Come on up. Hi, my name is Julian Naiman, and I go to University of Houston. Um, so tips for me, I set days that I do certain bits of homework. So like we have like MA assignments, and they're usually a week, and it's basically you're coding using math. And those assignments can be very, very, very long. So what I'll do 
uh, is all set in MA time, and then they also have office hours. Like I like I choose days based off of office hours. So like if I'm doing Kim homework one night, and I had a problem with one of the questions, I'd be like, oh okay, well my t- I know my professor has office hours tomorrow and Kim gyms tomorrow, so I'm gonna go then at that time and go to this time, and then I can be able to like work on my Kim homework uh, later in the week. So it's sort of like I set days to do certain assignments based off of what the office hours are like. So I'll start the day before an office hour just so I can go see them the next day, ask questions. And then by like Friday, Saturday, I usually have all my homework done and um, I don't have to really worry about a Sunday. Sunday is my like chill day. I just chill out for a while. And you you have that, that rest day. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Monday, fun day. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So, so my name is David, and I um, I work at a capital group company. It's an investment company, uh, and I do a lot of tests and certifications. Uh, so, so I have two two things that I focus on. One is um, I take a class. So a lot of people learn from YouTube and stuff like that, and you can stretch it out over weeks and months and stuff. But what I do is I take a you know take some time off from work, two three days or whatever, and I'll take that that class, that cram class, to say this is how you pass this test. Right. And, you know, sometimes it just works like, you know, rather than taking the three month or the six month course, I'll take that one week course and just figure it out. And then the second thing I do is I'll ask somebody who passed the test, like what was on the test and what was the hard (laughs) part? And tell me tell me what's those things that uh, that tripped you up. And they'll tell you, oh, that don't study that. That's not even on the test that because a lot of times there's a whole lot of content for you to go through. And um, but not ever all the content is on the test. And sometimes they'll just tell you, look, that stuff is not what's important. This stuff is important. And it'll help you focus and you know, narrow down what you're studying so you're not wasting your time and making the best use of your time. Thank you. All right, guys. So we're going to be ending up. We have one, maybe 30 seconds left. I would want to ask you guys for any final bits of information, any tips that you would want to pass on. Cheryl? So I guess one of the themes that resonated that we talked a lot about is your your investment capital, right? So investing in your teachers, investing in the relationships, and 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 you carry that into your job as well, right? When you go out and work, is how much are you investing in your boss and the relationships that are around you? Um, when you start with folks, and this is me jumping into you in the work world, when you start with individuals. Sometimes they will pass you, sometimes they will be your boss, sometimes they can become your manager, and that level in which you started, if you invest it appropriately, it will pay out in dividends. So you always gotta think about your relationships in that way. How much am I willing to invest? And it translates from your academic career into when you move into the work world. Thank you. Okay, Gerard? Uh, Yeah, so um, one of the, I guess, themes that stood out to me include this this notion of no substitute for hard work. You want to be known as that student that works hard. And that doesn't mean you always get it right, but you work hard. I always say, when I walk into a room, I don't ever pretend as if I'm the smartest one in the room. But I could probably outwork just about everybody in the room. And so for me, that's been big. We can go blow for blow. It might You might be able to get this topic in 30 minutes. It might take me an hour, but I'm gonna work hard and get to that same level. And when it's time for exam time, I may may score higher than you, because I'm gonna work until I get it. 
And, and when you have mentors and people that can advocate for you, you got to see them before it's an emergency situation. Sure. Me, as wonderful as y'all think I am, <laughs> um, I cannot advocate for you once you're on suspension. My name doesn't carry that much weight. But when you fail that first exam and you're trying to figure out, oh, what can I do before the end of the semester? I can then advocate for you and help you get the resources, the support systems and structures that you might need, even if it's paying for your tutoring. There's one young lady, she needed to retake a class. We found some money for her to pay to take this class. But this was before she got on suspension. She realized partway in the semester that it wasn't going to cut it. She needed to drop it, but this was before she got on suspension. Okay, and one with that, I wanna say don't quit. We need you guys yeah. as engineers. We need you for the future. Do not quit. It's gonna, if, if it was so easy, everybody would do it, right? Don't quit, we need you, and we wish you the best. And we'll see you back at Bea, and just enjoy yourself tonight. And we're just so happy that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mastering Winning Test-Taking Strategies, a professional development seminar featuring instructional associate professor at the University of Houston, Gerard Henderson, electrical engineering manager for Raytheon Company, Nicole Toller, and executive director of the Business Transformation Office for DTCC, Cheryl Moo Young. If you've enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bayes STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.bea.org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.